the blue line, leaves it, Kale McCarr, winds, fires, SCORE! Now Rubido, top of the near circle, pass far side, wide open net, what a save made by Philip Grubauer, just outstanding stuff, I am Grubauer! And Zadorov oh. smash! <laughs> oh my goodness! Yep. What a bone-crushing hit by Nikita Zadorov. And Howard Luck has no idea what day it is, what time zone he's in, and he is slowly making his way towards the bench. Hello and welcome into another edition of Avalanche Talk, the Mile High Sports Podcast, where we talk all things Avalanche and the NHL, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Got a lot of things to talk about today. We're going to get into Phase 2, 3, and 4. Uh, we had the chance to talk to Landeskog today, too, which was great to hear from the Avs captain. Um, of course, I am JJ Jerez with me. Arif, Arif, how are you holding in there? We're still here uh, doing these video podcasts. Yeah, we sure are. I'm doing good, man. I sort of can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and talking to Landeskog today sort of gave us an idea of that as well. Yeah, exactly. It's got to be close to, you know, if not past day 100 by now since we've uh, seen hockey. But phase two has been underway since the last time we recorded. Um, you know, I personally have been playing a lot of golf in the last couple uh, weeks. So, uh, you know, I feel a lot like the Buffalo Savers. Throw that little joke in that I thought of. Um, but yeah, we, we're seeing players starting to skate. Not the Buffalo Sabres, but we're seeing a lot of teams get back on the ice. We're seeing some fresh ice, too. You know, last week we spoke about how that, the Pepsi Center ice was taken out. We're seeing some, some brand new sheets out there, but it seems like things are, are moving in the right direction. Yeah, it seems like it. We got a lot of teams that have started their phase two. The Avalanche waited until this past Monday, June 15th, rather than the following, the the previous Monday, June 8th, to get theirs going. Uh, they had five guys out on the ice, and it's 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 a great time to be a hockey fan because it just seems like everything's moving in the right direction, which you might not be able to say about other sports right now. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I mean, the players still have to agree on returning. I mean, that still yes, is an obstacle sure. that has yet to be overcome. But it, everything seems to be moving the right direction. Unlike the, N the NBA, seems they might not even come back at all due to kind of just the players' stances on current, you know, societal events. And the MLB, man, they sure are struggling. <laughs> so you kind of got to tip your hat a little bit to Gary Bettman really being the uh, front runner here. Yeah, I mean, I said it last week, or it's been about a week and a half now since we recorded our last episode, is the players want this to happen, the NHL wants this to happen, but they're not necessarily negotiating against each other. They're negotiating together to make something work for everyone. And I think... That's the difference here compared to what you see in the in the MLB when they're asking players to take bigger pay cuts and not play at a prorated 100% salary, but play at a lesser salary for a day's work. And the NBA obviously is a different situation. Adam Silver is a great commissioner too, but you know, due to things that are going on in society nowadays, there's a lot of players that are sort of wanting to take a step back just to sort of partake in a bigger cause. Um, but Gary Bettman's done a hell of a job. I mean... He's, he's listening to the players. He's doing what the players want. The uh, NHL backed off on the uh, bracket scenario that they wanted. Uh, they're going to be reseeding after every round. And we heard yesterday the news that the NHL is going to announce their two hub cities, hopefully by Monday the 22nd. And the NHLPA is going to be a part of that decision. So it's not going to be a situation when Gary, where Gary Bettman and the, and the owners tell players, hey, go to the city. It's going to be a situation where the players are part of that decision. And honestly, I'm shocked. I didn't think Gary Bettman had it in him to, you know, sort of work hand in hand with Don Fair and the players. Uh, but I like it. I think, you know, Gary Bettman's doing a really great job and maybe he's not going to get booed by people on TV this year. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Perhaps it's the end of the boos. Oh, well, this year for sure. Um, but as I mentioned at the top of the show, we got the chance to talk to Gabe Landeskog. Um, we'll get a little bit of sound for you towards the end of the podcast of what he said. He said a lot of interesting things. One yep. of those that really stood out to me was him. Um, and again, we'll dive deeper into his convo later. But when he mentioned hearing out of his mouth that, you know, this is my job. This is what we do. Yeah, it's going to suck to leave my family for a little bit. But this is my dream to play in the NHL and to, uh, you know, fight for the Stanley Cup. So hearing that come out of his mouth really kind of eased my 
feelings about the whole thing a bit because as you know i've been on the nhl and nhlpa side just really hammering that these guys have to be on board first and foremost so hearing the captain of you know potentially one of the best teams in the nhl say that really kind of eased my mind towards how the players are feeling about this and it's not just the captain it's a guy who's a lot older now who's got a wife at home and a newborn kid at home that he's been able to spend a lot of time with and now you're asking somebody like him to be away from his family, not just at 7 o'clock in, in the evening to play a three-hour hockey game, not just on the road for two, three days, but for a month, two months, two and a half months, whatever the situation is at a time, uh, you know, assuming the NHL doesn't come up to some sort of a conclusion where the families can visit the players uh, in the hub cities. But it's looking like they're going to have to be away from their families for a long time. Uh, I know you mentioned last week Anton Strawman sort of came out and talked about how that's a little bit of an issue. Uh, Greg Wyshynski at ESPN wrote an article today about some players who thought they had planned perfectly for their wives to give birth in the summer. And suddenly that whole thing, there's a damper on that whole plan. So there's players around the league that might not be there with their wives when they give birth to a child that might be their first or second child. You know, a scenario where they want to be there for the birth of their kid and Regardless of all that, it's it's just great to see someone like Landis Cox still focused on we're here to play hockey. This is what we get paid to do. This is my dream. This is a chance at the Stanley Cup. And just because it's a hub city, just because it's a pandemic, it doesn't change the fact that we have a goal. And for the Avalanche, that goal is to make some noise and possibly play for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, you got to think the NHL would love to just say, you know what? Bring your families along, but only your families. But we're, there's a good chance that things spike again and everything comes back and, and everything gets more serious and they're not going to have that kind of flexibility. So, um, you know, it, it, who knows? Who knows how it's going to look? But um, it's tough for the players to have to leave their families. But again, it's just nice. To, it's refreshing to hear that that's not too big of an issue in their mind when I see it as kind of the biggest issue that still stands in the way of the whole thing happening. Um, but around the league, we've seen some other teams – uh, start their camps. We saw a couple teams like the Carolina Hurricanes, Montreal, Minnesota weren't really able to start their little phase two mini camps, so to speak, yet. Um, do, do you take this as a bad sign? I mean, Carolina, they didn't open it because they said a lot of their players were perfectly fine training elsewhere. Um, I kind of, reading between the lines, don't see that as positive news. What do you see? Do you think that's a bad sign? I don't think it's a bad sign because I just think that means hey, a lot of our players are hush-hush, don't tell skating in groups more than six people, and they would prefer that. I mean, we saw it with Zadorov last week. We mentioned that he was skating with Ovechkin and Shastorkin, former Avalanche defenseman, Darius Kasparaitis. Uh, all of these guys were skating in Russia, and I wrote about it last week and talked about how Zadorov is on the ice with about 10 or 15 other players. Why would he leave that situation, in Florida, by the way, why would he leave that situation to fly to Denver to skate with a list that, as far as I'm concerned, involves only McKinnon, Landeskog, Donskoy, Ian Cole, and Grubauer? So maybe that's what it is. I mean, it seems like to me it's players or teams saying, you know what, the players are better off doing whatever they're doing at these uh, low-budget ice rinks somewhere in Carolina rather than doing something under the NHL's eye where they can only have six people at a time. Yeah, that's an awesome way of looking at it. I didn't even think of that. I'm glad you're here to kind of help me see that because I was thinking of it as it as more of a, oh, the players are a little bit nervous to come back and get back to, you know, some sort of regularity that they're they're they'd rather train alone. So, I like your point of view on it much more. That's probably a lot more realistic. Um Another thing that's going on with Phase 2 is uh players are currently being tested twice a week. Um yeah, twice a week. Uh, who knows? Who knows if that's ample or not? Do you think that's enough testing? Do you think that's too much testing? Like you said, who knows? I mean, to me, it seems like a good start. Let's start with two days a week, uh, two tests per week per player. And after the first week of the play-in round or of the training camp, we see that, well, not the training camp, but the play-in round when they're actually in the hub cities, we see that two, three, four players are testing positive. We'll start to make a decision toward maybe we should increase it to three just to make sure that they're not spreading it. But if it comes to a situation where it's like, holy crap, this hub city thing is working. Nobody's really testing positive. Maybe we can push it down to one week, one per week or one every 10 days. It's just sort of going to be a thing where it's like this is a good start, but I don't think it's going to be that the rest of the way. 
uh, one way or another, it's going to shift because let's face it, who knows? Nobody knows what to do in this situation. Doctors, scientists, nobody knows what the hell's going on with this pandemic. It's sort of a learn by the day thing. And it's going to be that way for the NHL, for the NBA, the NFL, MLB, if they ever play, who knows? I know it's been almost three months since the start of all this and, and the news that came out that a few Avalanche players and members in the organization tested positive for it. So I would think that they kind of gear, okay, Avalanche, maybe we'd like to test you guys closer to three, four times a week. But again, like we said a couple weeks ago, I don't know what goes into the testing. I don't know how you know invasive it is to the players. You, you'd hate to put them in a tough situation like that, that they're constantly being in these uncomfortable tests. But at the same time, you know, you want the safety for everybody. Um, who, who, who knows? Who knows? I'm yeah. Who knows, uh, man? It's just I more mean, coronavirus talk. I'm. I, I know it's an important. We're, we're issue, all. But I'm so we're all done it. with it. We're all done <laughs> talking about it. It's. It's. It's something that we're gonna look back, hopefully, in a year, two years, three years, and just be like, remember those three months, those four months between March and when the NHL came back, because. We're living it right now, and it, it still feels surreal that we're experiencing this. It still feels crazy to me that it's June 16th. My birthday's in three days. Shout out me. And we have uh, 27, by the way. And uh, the Stanley Cup hasn't been awarded, and we're not looking towards – I'm used to on my birthday looking towards, hey, the draft is in a week. Free agency's in a couple of weeks. The Stanley Cup was awarded a couple of days ago. Ovechkin just screamed – whatever the hell he screams at his uh, thing, you know, a couple days ago. None of this keg stands at a baseball game. Yeah. Like none of this is happening. The NBA hasn't awarded a championship. The MLB is not, you know, well into their season. Everything just is off and it just doesn't seem real, but like we're living this right now and we're going to look back at it one day and just be like, what the hell was that? And back to my point of a couple months ago or podcasts ago, not months, feels like months. Yeah. Um, we're going to look back on the Stanley Cup, and in my opinion, we're going to have that little asterisk. But that's for later down the road, I guess. We can, we don't have yeah. to re- rehash that conversation. Yeah. Um, last, I was uh, cocked and loaded and ready to give it to you <laughs> for, that, for that one again. We already did it. We already did it. Uh, last thing on phase two that I want to get into is, of course, we got to see, thanks to the Avs social media team, a couple that the players that you mentioned that were skating, we got to see a little bit of video. And, of course, while there's no defense they're not serious drills still just watching mckinnon gets me excited he still has just that little flair about him even when he's doing a simple little you know pass and attack the net drill so uh you know i got kind of chills watching those videos again i mean this is what they do for a living man they're great at it and anytime you put them in that situation they're gonna show why they do this for a living and just how good they are but you gotta remember like we are nothing but reporters, writers, fans are listening to this podcast and all they all we could think about is how we're itching for hockey to return. How do you think the players feel? What kind of adrenaline rush do you think it you know it felt like for Nathan McKinnon, a young younger than me by a couple years, 24, 25 year old to step on the Pepsi Center ice for the first time in 96, 97 days and 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 sort of have that first step back towards this normal life, this hockey thing that they miss so badly. It's I don't think we take into account just how badly the players are going to want to play this. And to me, it feels like we're going to have a bunch of injuries the first week back because everyone's just going to be going 120%. But players are itching for this a hell of a lot more than the fans are a hell of a lot more than the media is they want to be out there this is all they know this is what they love to do i sometimes forget that you know yeah i I sometimes make it sometimes i feel like players are just in it you know i'm here to catch my millions of dollars i'm just going to play hockey and be cool and smooth and live my life but at the end of the day these guys are competitors and they've been wanting to win trophies and wanting to win leagues since you know, they were six, five, four years old. So, um, you, yeah, you make another good point. You're really helping me see the, the glasses half full right now. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think this idea, you know, fans and media, we get caught in this a lot where players are nothing more than a character in an EA sports game. They're going to come out and Nathan McKinnon's a 96 overall and he's going to play like a 96 overall and Grubauer's an 87 overall goalie. I'm just throwing out numbers and he's going to play like that. And we sort of need to remember that there's a human element to this. And I know we hear it a lot, but I'll give you a story from me personally that sort of 
I'm starting to use this to sort of understand how it feels like to be an athlete. I run a lot. Everybody knows this. My Twitter is run right air. If I tweeted the other day, I've run over 500 miles since the pandemic started because why not? And uh, there's days where I go out there and it's easy and you can rack up these miles and run these PR paces and run these quick miles and it feels like you're just sort of riding this momentum. And then there's days where you go out there under the same circumstances, I ate the same thing, I slept the same amount, it's the same temperature, I'm in the exact same situation, but I feel slower, it feels harder. But as fans and as media, when we watch the Avalanche take on, no offense, but I'm gonna say the Buffalo Sabres, for example, and they go down for nothing in the first period. We're like, what the hell's going on? But then you got to remember that there's some days that these players wake up where it's not as easy. They're not doing as well. And it's just that human element that we forget about. And it's also why, you know, it sort of came to me. This is why in October we always see this crazy good hockey with a lot of goals and a lot of points is because these players are coming off of a three-month summer. The adrenaline is rushing. You get that great intro with Alan Roach going name by name by name, and everybody lines up at the blue line. The national anthem blares. The puck drops and go. And that's sort of what I feel like is going to happen now, and that's why I feel like they're going to go full force is because of that. We sort of we forget that these guys are humans that are good at a sport. They're just like you and me, you know, that same adrenaline rush that I get running, they're going to get that playing hockey and they're going to have their good days and their bad days. Yeah. I mean, when there's a time that you're a professional, right? And this is what you've made your living doing. You found your purpose in life and suddenly you stop doing it. You just want to get back to work, right? This is their job. You just want to work. Sure. The training, the off ice stuff, uh, you know, the practices on ice are part of the job, but your real job is games. And they just, I'm sure they're just dying to get back to playing games that actually oh, mean for something. Sure. So 100% yeah, for sure. that. Um, last thing I wanted to get into on the, uh, the phases of reopening is phase three. Um, that's probably next. And that's what that is going to look like is just the training camps opening, um, you know, allowing all the players to kind of come back to facilities and get their skates in. That shouldn't be an issue to get there. I think that's definitely going to happen. That's, not nothing there doesn't look like there's any hiccups to prevent that but it's kind of phase four that's the that's the biggest issue at the moment yeah and i'm sort of at this uh point where i've sort of echoed this in past podcasts uh but i'll say it again today it's i feel like we're gonna get there and there being phase four implementing this getting it going it's just a matter of there's a lot of work to do on the way there. I don't feel, and maybe it could be a glass half full side of me that's been glass half full for the last three months of you know us recording these podcasts. Is I don't feel like we're going to reach a situation where it's a yes or a no. I feel like it's going to happen. It's just a matter of doing the, the work that's necessary to get there. Uh, I could be wrong, but I just I, I don't see how phase four isn't going to happen. Uh, especially with all the developments that we've been hearing now. Like I said, in six days, we should hear about the hub cities. Uh, we're starting to hear that Vegas is already one of them for, for starters. And it just looks like things are moving in the right direction. There hasn't been any hiccups. And that's so unlike the NHL. And it just feels like it's just going going very smoothly. Yeah, and we heard Nathan McKinnon come out and say that he'd like to be in the Vegas hub city if he had the option. But we also know the NHL isn't going to let the Western Conference play out of Vegas because they don't want any home teams to have any sort of home ice advantage, even though there wouldn't really be one. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm surprised at how many shots we've taken at the Buffalo Sabres so far. Arif. Yikes, man. I I just sort of went with it because that's what you did. and <laughs> I love it. I love it. They, they probably are golfing. And you know what else? Golf is here for us to bet on, guys. That's right. We have another full weekend of golf ahead of us. And even though the trophy is reserved for the winner, the big cash winnings don't have to be. To add, the, add to the excitement, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook, by the way, is putting you in the center of the action with a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. Don't, don't worry if you weren't able to take advantage of last weekend's tournament. That action on the course continues. And DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to get all of your bets in for this weekend's tournament. Head to the app right now and check out all they have to offer, including player props, day-by-day -day action, and even hole-by-hole live betting. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe, secure, and reliable betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And to top it all off, 
DraftKings Sportsbook is offering special odds and promotions throughout the weekends that you don't want to miss. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code MHS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus of $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus of $1,000. Just enter MHS when you sign up only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And obviously, you must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And with the way that I'm looking forward to sports, I might be calling that number in no time. <laughs> Love DraftKings. Can't say it enough. Um, you know, the other day they gave me just a free bet. They just gave, I was going to place a regular parlay and they said, hey, do you want to make this one a free, a free bet? And I said, sure, why not? I lost the sure. parlay, but hey, I won some bets today on La Liga. Love that Spanish soccer coming back. Um, Let's go. Next on the docket uh, is Landeskog's Zoom call. I mean, it was great to ha- just see his face and hear from him again. Um, and most of all, just great to have uh, another thing for us to talk about because, yeah, we could talk about the NHL all day long, but this isn't NHL talk podcast, right? This is Avalanche talk podcast. So, Arif, what were some of your biggest takeaways, um, you know, one by one here of that Zoom call that we got to participate in today with Landeskog as the host? I think there's a couple things. The first one is that Landeskog is very much... And I think he echoes a lot of NHL players. Uh, you know, we all, we often see people tweet and talk about how just scrap the season, let's move forward, let's start fresh with 2021, and let's just forget about this, squash it, squash it, squash it. Landeskog showed no signs of thinking that or saying that, and I know we just talked about that just a few minutes ago. Rather, he had this situation, he repeated this many, many times when answering questions. He would finish every question with... And I know that this is not the way it usually is, but nothing in life is normal right now. Why the hell would the Stanley Cup Finals be normal? And he mentioned that so many times to the point where the players are very much aware that this is going to be different. Hey, Gabe, I had a question for you regarding playoff format. Obviously, the Avalanche uh, throughout the regular season played in one of the tougher divisions in the NHL. And now you're sort of avoiding that playoff format where you have to go through the Dallas's and the St. Louis's. What's your idea? You know, what's your general thoughts about this new idea that's come out, and how do you think it, you know, helps the Avalanche, or maybe it doesn't help you guys? What are your thoughts about it? Um, I, to be honest, uh, this I guess doesn't really answer your question to begin with, but I'll get to that in a second. But I, I've always been a fan of the one eight two seven three six four five format, uh, which is what it used to be like, and I understand why we went to the current format uh, of trying to create division rivalries and whatnot. Um, but, uh, this format, uh, it just, it is what it is. I mean, I, I, I say it again. I think we're just the league and the PA We're we're trying to make the best of the situation. And, and there's, I, I said it early on that we're not gonna, we're not gonna achieve fairness. You know, it's, it's, it's just not going to happen. And I think this is, I trust the committee that was working through all this and, and all the different formats and scenarios and things like that, uh, that they, you know, sat down and looked at every single possibility. So, and, and this is what they came up with. And I think it's, it's as, uh, as good as it's going to get. And, uh, you know, the world uh, feels at times, like it's turned upside down uh, right now. And, and so everything else is different. So why would the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs be, be normal? You know what I mean? So everything is a little bit uh, different this year and we're just going to have to make the most of it. And I hope the fans can get behind it and, and, uh, you know, get excited about it just as uh, as I am because I'm I'm excited to just have a chance to uh, to take a run at the Stanley Cup. And if you're somebody like the Avalanche, you're somebody like let's use Carolina as an example. Just get off Buffalo's tail for a little bit. Let's use Carolina as an example. They were one of the teams that weren't really that voted against the playoff format because suddenly they're in a play-in situation where they get to play, got to play the New York Rangers in a best-of-five series, and the Rangers were not even in a playoff spot, but they're also one of the hottest teams in the league that just started slow. And if you're somebody like Caroline, if you're somebody like the Avalanche and you fall off quickly and you don't end up having a long playoff race, you can't go home and sit back and be like, this damn virus ruined it. I want to play over. I want to do over. Landeskog basically made it known that he's aware that things are going to be different because nothing in life is normal right now. And that's okay. 
But the playoffs won't be normal either, but let's do it. Let's play this and let's get back to what we love. That was the first thing I noticed. The second thing that I noticed is just the confidence he has in sort of like me with that glass half full feeling of we're going to get back to this. We're going to play again. And I think like we were saying, it's that human element. Landis Gog is just 27 years old. He'll be 28 later in the year. And he's he's young enough to, 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 to still get excited when he takes the ice. And I'm sure taking the ice yesterday at the Pepsi Center on Monday sort of gave him that shot of adrenaline and that shot of happiness like hey we might actually do this and uh you know it was a very it was a it was a great call it was it was great to talk to him but i just feel like he sort of echoed the thoughts that i have in the sense where things are not going to be normal and that's okay but we're going to do this and we're going to award a champion and we're we're going to go back to playing the sport we love no matter what the situation is with you, with you again. You, you're making great points today. The th- things that I su- saw that stood out to me were just the fact that he, he's treating it like a completely new season. That's something I didn't expect. Yeah. I thought for sure that, you know, these guys dropped off, you know, they were told not to play anymore, and they just kept that training going. They kept the regiment up. Um, you know, they were, if they could hit some ice, they would. Um, I didn't realize he's just treating it more like the offseason, probably took a break, a forced break where he couldn't really do much training at all you know maybe even ate some ice cream here and there late night at home um you know kind of forgetting about the fitness side of it for a little bit because why why bother yeah i did that too um you know he mentioned he's he's starting to probably get to skating about this week which is you know uh, if the training camp started july 10th like they're supposed to um you know this is more or less where he would start skating so i I don't know that just i wasn't expecting it that they were thinking of it that way um, and it's got to be weird to have to go from that mentality because the mindset you have when you're coming into a season is a lot different than the mindset you have going into a playoff. So it's got to be hard to kind of connect those two and, and make it really work for you. Um, I, maybe it's not that hard. Who knows? Um, again, this is their job. They love doing this. They just want to play hockey. Are, are we overthinking it? Or are podcasts just tools for overthinking? I, I mean, I think – the general fans and, and, and media, you know, everybody but the players that actually provide the product, I, I think we are overthinking it, man. I think for the players, it's, you know, we were told to step off the ice because there's a pandemic. It's a global issue. It's a big deal. And when that slowly starts to get taken, you know, get under control, which it has been recently, uh, let me back on the ice and let me finish doing what I, what I do, uh, whether it's now, whether it's in August, whether it's September, they just want to play hockey. And I don't think any player is down for just erasing a 70-game season unless you absolutely have to. Do you think anybody in that avalanche locker room wants to just say, screw it, let's start fresh in October with 2021? I don't see it. I know damn well that these players and Jared Bednar and all these guys, they've been sort of building on this success all year long. Top four team in the league, top two team in the Western Conference, they get to the trade deadline. They bring in some players. Some guys go down. They keep winning. They're consistent. They win that game against the Rangers in overtime. And now you're just going to say, let's squash it all. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they've ever wanted to do that. And I think the entire time it's been, hey, whenever it's time for us to be able to play again, let's not start fresh with the new season. Let's finish this one and let's push the next season back and let's do what we have to do. To just push the cycle back three months, man. We don't have to start the new season in October. We can start it in January. Let's get this one done. And I think players, for the most part, obviously generalizing, are have that mindset. And fans and media and all of us that are speculating on Twitter and on social media and through podcasting is are, are, are overthinking what the players are thinking about this specific situation. Yeah, and you could say it's just hockey, but uh, you know it's also professional hockey at the highest level. So. You kind of you yeah. kind of do have to analyze it a little bit in that sense, just because you know they they got to be at the tip top of their game at, at, in every facet all the time. So, um, you know, it's it's just a a crazy a crazy sport in all reality. Just it, it's crazy to me that they're gonna have to find a way to get from training camp shape to playoff shape, and same with the the mind the mental aspect of that too. Um, but the second side, yeah. the second thing that really stood out to me, and I don't know if it stood out as more or more just, I wish I thought of it, but when Landis Gog said um, that, uh, you know, no team is going to have any momentum really, you know, he pointed to last year when they really got that end of the year push and they were skating into the playoffs, high on confidence, high on themselves and just on a tear. And he, he made the point, you know, nobody's really going to be doing that this year. Yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, I think what's uh, 
I think I mentioned this last time we recorded a podcast. It's just that at the beginning of each season, when you come in in October after three months off, there's random teams that go on a tear. I think I mentioned it last time. The Avalanche started the season 4-0, eventually 6-0, before they lost that game to the Blues uh, and to the Penguins in overtime. Certain teams sort of start the season strong, and there's really no saying how who who that team is going to be. Let's go back to the Buffalo Sabres, because we love them today. The last couple of seasons, the Buffalo Sabres have started the season strong. They started on a good note, and they end up losing as the season goes on and falling out of a playoff race. Here's the thing about this situation now. You have a five-game play-in play round if you're the Carolina Hurricanes, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Edmonton Oilers versus the Chicago Blackhawks. You go on a three-game tear, you're the Blackhawks, you're into the playoffs, man. That's all it takes. You're the Edmonton Oilers. You go on a three-game losing streak, you're out. And you're not sort of continuing where you were in March. Again, these, the, this isn't just an EA Sports where you turn off the Xbox and you turn it on three months later and just continue that season and keep that flow going. These players are going to come into this like a new season. And if you start the season 0-5 in October, that's okay. You're the Tampa Bay Lightning, you'll recover. You start the season 0-5, now you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, you're done, man. That's it. That's your whole season. So I think that's something that we're also not taking into account, that the players are very much aware of. Like Landis Gog said, this is unlike uh, this is unlike anything else in the world. It's a, it's not a normal situation, and you know we're just going to have to play through it. Yeah, it's pretty wild that there's a couple teams out there that are probably just going to play three games and be out. That'd, that'd be a little frustrating from a player's standpoint. Like all this, all yeah, these tests sure. and everything for three games and we're out. So, you know, that'll ha- add a little bit of motivation there for the players. Um, the last thing I, I, that Landeskog said that I thought stood out, and, um, you know, this is kind of me teeter-tottering a little bit more towards how I feel about the resumption of the season, but he said, quote, uh, we're going to make the most of it, and hopefully the fans can get behind it. Again, that's me reading between the lines maybe a little bit too much, thinking that there is, in fact, an asterisk in Landeskog's mind on this playoffs. I mean, it's not the normal thing. Again, nothing we're doing now is the normal thing. But, you know, there's a part of it, part of him that knows there's, it's just a bit different right now. Making the most of it you know, kind of implies that there's a bit of a negative situation. Yeah, and I think there's another side to this that we have to take into account is no matter how much some people uh, follow the sport and how big of a fan they are of the Avalanche, the NHL, hockey in general, there is a large part of the population out there for good reason. I'm not, you know, vouching that I'm for or against this, but there's a big part of the population that's saying, why the hell are we going to test 400 NHL players twice a week when my father can't get tested, when I can't get tested, when my neighbor can't get tested? And that's something that I sort of got a glimpse of that. You know, I sort of felt a little bit of that from Landis Gog is I hope they get behind us as in I hope people can see that we're not trying to be this end all, you know, this 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 bad guy that's going to come take these tests away from the public. We waited long enough to do this in an ethical way. Um, on top of that, yes, there is the asterisk part in terms of all the things we talked about earlier about how the playoff situation is going to be different. You might play three games and you're done. Uh, but I sort of got a glimpse of that from Landis Gog too. It's just that there's a lot of hockey fans that might not have the stomach for sports right now because they're thinking about the bigger issues in the world today, you know, because of this pandemic. Yeah. I mean, he's just such an insightful guy and just genuine. And, you know, you can tell he's just a good person in all reality. I mean, Ryan Clark hit him with the hard question about, you know, the racism going on in society and, and elsewhere. And he gave a hell of an answer. And he gave an awesome answer. That was answer. a um, very well thought out response. Exactly. Yes. And while he's giving that response, I'm just looking at him like, you know, this is exactly who people think he is. He is yeah. what they think he is, you know, so... Um, he's he's not a robot. He's not just another hockey player. And I mean, how blessed are you to be the Avalanche to have a leader like that? Follow a leader, obviously, with some you know some other guys in between. Follow a leader like Joe Sakic, who was here for nearly you know thirteen, fourteen years. It's just he's such a great character, and you can see with each passing year why they put the C on this guy's jersey when he was nineteen. Right, and it's not like he had anything pre-written or they told him what to say. He pulled this out. You know, it was improv. Yeah. And, you know, he, he did a great job with the whole call. He just always comports himself really well. My favorite part of the entire Zoom call, though, had nothing to do with Gabe Landeskog. Since it's your birthday this week, I'm going to give you a little roast. 
let me paint the picture for you. Here we have Gabe Landeskog. <laughs> He's looking handsome despite the, the tooth missing out of his face. And then Ryan Clark's the first to ask a question, right? So we get Ryan Clark, just his name on the screen, the Zoom calls. I'm sure everybody's familiar with what a Zoom call looks like. All you see is the words, Ryan Clark, the name. And then second question comes up. It's Adrian Dater. He's got a little tiny picture. You can barely see his face. You can barely hear what he's even asking Gabe Landeskog. He's kind of rambling a little bit. Then third question up is my man Arif Dean. And what do I get right in my face? This big, giant, goofy mug. I just don't know right why it was so big. And I know Landeskog saw that, too. He probably was thrown back. Oh, man, this guy here in my face. So shout out to you for, for having such a goofy face. Yeah, I was I was so proud when I took that picture because it's the same picture I have on my credential. I, I went to University of Michigan Dearborn where I worked for so many years and I walked up to the SID and I was like, dude, I need a picture for my Avalanche credential. And he's like, hell yeah, I got you. And he took this nice picture for me. But Daters was like this big. Nick Katsunika, NHL.com was like that big. Mine just full screened the entire damn thing with my bright red flamboyant shirt and uh <laughs> It was, yeah, I, I know Landis Cog was probably taken aback, but I mean, my bad, it's a good picture. Hey, get your face out <laughs> there, why not? Uh, um, I wanted to get into a little bit of the award voting going on lately. Um, you know, some sources thrown out there saying that uh, the Calder is most likely going to be <clears throat> Kale McCarr, and then of course we got the Hart watch too. Um, I'm not feeling as confident about Nathan McKinnon winning that one, but you know, still got to keep an eye on it. In 2018, I was very confident that Nathan McKinnon was going to win it. And I remember when I was watching that award show between him and Taylor Hall, obviously, we remember that season. Uh, the winner of the award is, and I was just sort of just waiting for them to say McKinnon because it's the last award so I can turn off the TV and head out to do whatever I was doing. And then they said Taylor Hall and I was like, whoa, what? Because everything that we read about, everything we saw was that it was going to be McKinnon. Uh, some reporters had sort of courted other reporters to sort of get an idea of their vote. And everybody was leaning toward McKinnon. And then suddenly Taylor Hall took the award. So back then I was confident about McKinnon. He didn't win it. This time you have all these other names being thrown in. Two specific uh, names, Leon Dreisaitl and Artemi Panarin. So I'm not as confident with Nathan McKinnon winning it this year, but hey, I was confident in 2018 and Hall took it, so you never know, right? I have two huge ifs. If Nathan McKinnon could have finished out the season and if he never got hurt, I mean, you know, he got hurt right towards the end there anyway. I think he only ended up missing, what, two games? One one game? Um, Ga but, game and a half, yeah, yeah. something like that. <laughs> I think had he been able to finish out the season and have 82 games – there'd be a much better shot for him because sure. it was going to have to be a time for him to carry the team. He was going to get hot down the stretch, I think, you know, because he kind of tends to, to kind of thrive during that time of, of year, I would say. So if that if he had the opportunity to finish out the season, I think he would definitely be more towards the front. But I think he's just fallen a little bit short this year. Yeah, I mean, that's what it seems like to me. The Artemi Panarin case really is a big one for me. Uh, just because of what that guy's done this season with next to nothing. I mean, Zibanejad's got 41 goals, but they didn't play on the same line. He played a majority of his minutes. I know what McKinnon's been through, and I know the injuries to Rantanen and Landeskog. And even when Rantanen came back, he wasn't the point. He wasn't even a point per game player like we're used to seeing. But Artemi Panarin played on a line with Jesper Fast and Ryan freaking Strom, and turned them both into these stars. Granted, when Giannis Donskoy was playing with McKinnon, the guy was scoring nearly at a point a game pace at a 65-point pace over a full season. Giannis Donskoy is not playing with McKinnon anymore. He's got, I could be off by a couple numbers, but I think like four points in the last 25 games. So there is a case to be made there for McKinnon too. Um, but it just seems like it's the player that finishes the season with that run that ends up winning it. Um which is why in 2018, Taylor Hall finished a little bit stronger than McKinnon did uh, in the stretch leading up to that game 82. Uh, Corey Perry, that one year where he scored 19 goals in his last 11 games to reach 50, just stole the award away from Crosby and Malkin and Ovechkin and all the other guys that were there all season in 20, 2012 or 2011, whatever year it was. But Panarin has been a lot hotter down the stretch. But when you sit back and you look at the numbers and you see that McKinnon led the avalanche with this many points and 40-something points behind him was second place, 
who by the way is a rookie named Kale McCarr who plays on the blue line who also missed games you start to realize like holy crap this guy really did do it all himself but that that momentum's not there because he wasn't as strong late in the season as someone like Panarin or Dreisaitl who seemingly was putting up five points every night so to me those are your three finalists there are some talks out there about Connor Hellebuck but I don't think enough media members are going to give it to a goalie but to me it's a toss-up man if they say Dreisaitl it wouldn't surprise me if they say Panarin it wouldn't surprise me if they say McKinnon, it wouldn't surprise me. If somebody else comes into the situ- to the equation, like a David Pasternak or even, surprise, surprise, Connor McDavid, I would be a little bit more shocked than if I heard those three names. Normally, on a traditional season, it kind of seems and feels like the voting has a very what-have-you-done-for-me-lately feel because they vote right yeah. kind of after the season culminates. I think it's actually the first round is when the, the voting actually gets done. So this year... They I know had, where you're going with this. Yeah, they, you don't... You don't. This yeah. year they had a chance to step back and assess and be strictly about numbers, right? There were no yeah. unmeasurables that they took into as much of an account as they would normally. So, um, you know, again, f- for that reason, I think they're just going to have to go with some of the other guys you mentioned. But, you know, he's having a good run, and I think he'll get a heart trophy, uh, at least one in the in the upcoming years here. And there's a lot of people out there, man, that I know this might sound a little crazy, but there's a lot of people out there that feel he was robbed in 2018 and want to right that wrong. And what better year to do it than a year where McDavid cancels out Dreisaitl and Pasternak is canceled out by Marshawn and Bergeron and Panarin kind of made the playoffs but kind of didn't at the same time. Uh so let's give it to McKinnon, who was on a team that was pushing first place in the league and first place in the West and did it without his running mate, without his Ranton and without his Landis and He did it with a rookie who also missed 15 games. So I'm not necessarily on the side where I don't feel confident he's going to win in, but I'm on the side where I could see it, ha- I could see it go either way. Uh, where in 2018, when his name was not called, I was completely shocked that he, he did not win that award that year. So are you going to be completely shocked if uh, McCarr doesn't win the Calder? Yes. That one, yes. And 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 I know Quinn Hughes is a hell of a guy, but but even before seeing all the tweets that all these media members are pushing out there that they've been courting each other and sort of getting more of a, of a push toward McCarr than toward Quinn. You know what? In 2018, that's what they said about McKinnon, and he didn't win the damn award. So, But I would be shocked because... Mc, uh, McCarr missed all these games and was still right there neck and neck with him with Quinn Hughes uh, Quinn Hughes was you know racking up a lot of points on the power play but something about McCarr just pushes you more towards that Scott Niedermeyer that full force guy where even if he doesn't get as many points you're still gonna pick I mean look at the Norris Trophy race you got Roman Yossi out of Nashville you got John Carlson out of Washington Carlson's got 76 points, I believe, in 74 games. He's operating at over a point-per-game pace. Roman Yossi's got 59 points, but he is leading that Nashville team in every category. He's their defenseman. He's their captain, their penalty killer, their power play guy. He's doing it all, and he's scoring a lot of goals. So when you look at John Carlson and his 76 points and you say, you know what, that's great, but look at this guy that's doing it all. And that's not to say that Quinn Hughes is a one-dimensional player, but it's just to say that that pedigree of being a number one defenseman, it's it's the expectation was put on McCarr from last year's playoffs that he's going to be that guy. And then he went out and overachieved and the season started and he was known as that guy right off the bat. And I think that sticks with people and has stuck with people that McCarr is this well-rounded number one guy and he deserves this award. Production and performance aside, I mean, he's just a Canadian phenom, right? I mean, everybody in Canada has was excited to see what he can do, was impressed to see what he can do, and you know, even a lot of Canadian media media are on his side, and I think are a little bit biased and consider him, you know, the next great. So um, I think for that reason, he'll get inch get the uh, inch forward on Hughes and end up the Calder. You know, it's it's actually funny because Kale McCarr is this good old Canadian boy and the Canadian media loves him and he won World Junior Gold and he's represented his country and will hopefully do so in the Olympics one day, assuming the NHL players go back. 
but he plays in Denver, Colorado. And then you got this American kid, I believe, from Florida named Quinn Hughes, who has another brother in the NHL, a third brother on the way. Uh, he, You don't have that Canadian bias, but he plays in Vancouver where there is a large media contingency in British Columbia and in Alberta and all of these states are, or all of these provinces around Vancouver where I feel like it cancels out the the American playing in Canada and the Canadian playing in America. And I think it sort of cancels out among the media because the West Coast media is all over Quinn Hughes. But the East Coast media, like we've seen all year from the sports nets and the TSNs and all these guys in Toronto are all over Kill McCarr. So it's 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 going to be an interesting race to the end. I think McCarr is going to win it. I'm not as curious about McCarr winning it because I think he's got it in the bag as much as I'm curious about the final voting numbers and how many people voted first for McCarr compared to Hughes. I think I think you're spot on once again, Arif, because, uh, you know, going into this season, many media members were naming the Avalanche as one of the most exciting teams of the year and, and most excited teams that they wanted to watch coming into the season. So, you know, a lot of the guys that typically would just flip over an Avalanche game are tuning in to watch the Nathan McKinnons, the Kale McCars. So I think they did get a lot of exposure this year, and, and the media saw an adequate amount of the Avalanche, and, and I think they'll they'll vote right and go, go for Kale McCarr for Calder. Yeah. Uh, Kale McCarr for Calder. Yeah, that's... Kale McCarr for Calder. Kale McCarr... Kale for Calder. Calder, Kale... Kale McCarr for Calder. Whatever you want to say, man, but I think he's got it over Quinn Hughes, and uh, we'll see. Uh I'm just curious to see, uh, like I said, the numbers. And I'm really curious to see how the NHL goes about announcing these awards. I feel like they're just going to sort of pre-game skate or, you know, pre-game, uh, pre-puck drop, I should say, between Colorado and insert team name here in the in the second round of the playoffs or in the first round of the playoffs. They're going to say, we have a special presentation before this game. Actually, you know, and they're going to come out and say, Kale McCarr won the Rookie of the Year. And how cool would it be if the Avalanche played Vancouver in the first round and they used that series to come out and say, we're going to announce the Calder Trophy winner. Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, both standing on the blue line. This is the guy that won it. That would be pretty cool. Um, you know, that that would be fun to see in front of a big empty arena for everybody to cheer, Absolutely. obviously. Absolutely. Last thing I wanted to get to before we head into the Mile High Sports Three Stars of the Week is the um, Evander Kane and the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Now, remember this name, guys, because we're going to hear about it a lot. And this is riding off the coattails of our podcast last week, which was a tough podcast for us yep. to do. You know, it took us a while to kind of get comfortable, but I think we talked about the, the necessary things that we needed to talk about, and I, I'm glad we did it. Um, it sucks how uncomfortable the conversation can be. It should be something that's openly discussed. But Evander Kane um, and a handful of other um, players and former players begin the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Akeem Alou, Trevor Daly, Wayne Simmons, Joel Ward, Matt Dumba, and former Avalanche Chris Stewart. So I just wanted to make sure to take a second to point that out, mention them, you know, and give them my stick taps because, you know, I, I think they're going to do great things. One thing, namely, is that I saw in their <coughs> kind of mission statement that they put out is and I'll quote it here, we will promote diversity at all levels of the game through community outreach and engagement with youth and will endeavor to make the game more affordable and accessible. And that was the point I was trying to hammer home last week. It's all about the youth. Take care of the kids, right? So I really like the initiative and actually seeing something formed here. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, this was a long time coming, and I'm, you know, it, it took unfortunate situations in, in the country and in the world for this to to finally come to life but it doesn't matter how it happened it's here it's here to stay uh it's here to gain support from players like landis gog and you know a majority of the nhl and let's let's turn around and make this sport all inclusive man i mean yes we have a nazim kadri who's this arab canadian in the nhl and yes we have the chris stewart's and the matt well not stewart anymore but the matt dumbas and the evander canes and the ryan reeves and these black hockey players playing in the nhl and you're starting to see mika zabandajad is of persian descent and all these players i can go on and on and on but it's still only a portion of the population that can actually access the sport because it's a privileged sport it costs a lot of money it's not in every community it's not accessible to everybody like it like a soccer ball or a basketball would be to uh, people living in, in in lower class neighborhoods and and this is one big giant step towards that and obviously the racism is going to play a factor in this as well it's not just about the financial structure and the financial aspect um but like I said, it's it's a long time coming, and 
and and I think they're gonna do great things, starting with Kevin Weeks in Toronto who put the Greater Toronto Hockey League, the GTHL, where a lot of NHLers come from. He sort of put them on on blast in the sense where they've sort of been they've been keeping the penalties because of racial slurs under wraps and not releasing the numbers of penalties that they've had to give to players for for making racial slurs on the ice or on the bench and he went out straight up and said hey man i work for a big news network in canada we cover a lot of hockey and i am not going to mention the gthl on uh live on television anymore until these numbers are released and the gthl released them it's a big step in the right direction starting with the youth like you said sort of plant this idea in the youth's minds when they're younger that racism is not okay, hazing is not okay, all of these things are not okay so that you don't end up in the NHL having a situation like Akeem Alou talking about what happened to him with Bill Peters, with Steve Downey, with all these guys because from a young age you're teaching the youth what's right and what's wrong and and this is one big giant step in the right direction and I hope this actually leads to a lot of change because this sport badly needs it. I mean, it's a huge testament to how important of an issue and how important a group like this is when we saw Ryan Reeves and Evander Kane and quickly decide to just squash their beef. And Ryan Reeves said, you know, I want to join. How do I become an ambassador? Let's forget all the baloney WWF stuff that we were doing a couple months ago and let's focus on some real problems together. Only thing is I'd love to see more players get involved, those guys you named, you know, the Cadres, the Zabanejads, you know, Austin Matthews, who is Latino descent, um, Alec Martinez, you know, I'd love to see more of those names and not just have it solely be f- towards African Americans. It needs to be for, you know, everybody. Again, hockey is for everyone, not just, you know, a, a small group of people. So, you know, again, I'd like to see, I'd like to see more players, and, and it'll happen with time. More players will get involved. More players will come up through the w- through the ranks, and and we'll see more more have their hand in. But you gotta love just the quick action taken by these guys already. Yeah, and I mean, someone like Nazem Kadri came out on TSN a couple weeks ago, and he he publicly called on the NHL to support the players in protesting, and he made comments about how the, a quote directly from Kadri. He said, "My first year in ju- in junior hockey, I was stereotyped and basically didn't feel accepted by certain players or fans of certain teams. It's unfortunate, but I don't want to go get too specific into it." Uh, Somebody like Kadri, obviously, like I said, is, is is of a different background, is also a minority. Uh, he wasn't really down to talk about these things when I wanted to talk about talk to him about them back in November. Suddenly he is. Suddenly he's going to join the cause. He's going to fight the good fight, and he wants to be a part of this. And that's just great to see. It's refreshing that this entire situation that stems from the George Floyd murder has sort of given the NHL players of, of you know, even white NHL players, even what we heard from Landis Gog today, it's given them a voice and it's given them this feeling of, I can speak and it's okay, rather than holding it in like we've seen for so many decades. Yeah, interesting for sure. I mean, I remember back at the beginning of the season, that great article you had one-on-one with him. He still was a bit held back. You know, like you said, this kind of opening the gates for them to just make their voices heard and, and feel comfortable doing so now, not having to feel like they have to, you know, watch their words and, and walk on eggshells. So, you know, again, the change is happening for our eyes, and it's great to see. Um, other than that, you know, it's time to get into the Mile High Sports Three Stars of the Week presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Star number three, and bear with me here, it's going to whoever made America's favorite mascot list that came out today. Not because it was a good list, but because it sparked reaction. And that's the problem I have with all these lists. You see them all the time. What's your state's favorite candy? What's your state's favorite fast food? And they're never right. We never see them right. Well, today we saw that Colorado, not only Colorado, from New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, all the way up to Montana, their favorite mascot is Dinger. The Rockies mascot? I have a huge problem with that. I mean, I'd, def- I'd even take Howler before I take Dinger, but on my list is Rocky. What, what, what are your two cents on this whole mascot fiasco, and who's your favorite mascot? You know, when you make lists like that, it, the idea behind making those lists is to make 
a couple of controversial choices because that's what leads to these interactions on social media, these clicks. And it's a bit of a sneaky way of, of having that clickbait article or that clickbait photo is, is, is providing people with, with something that's going to cause a reaction to click and to, to interact with that post. And then you see it sort of spread far and wide. And somebody decided, you know what, let's take advantage of the sports world being on pause right now for the most part. And let's create this list. And, uh, I don't agree with it. The one that caught my eye more than the Colorado one was the one in Philadelphia. I don't even know who the heck they had on there, but it was not gritty. That's a problem. That's blasphemy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, look, it, it got them one of the highly coveted three stars of the week from Avalanche Talk. Hey, you know, for they not, not even doing any clickbait, man. They put out a controversial picture, and here you are giving them a star just so that we could talk about them. And then they, they had the audacity to throw Rapid Man, the Colorado Rapids, just embarrassment of a mascot but he's so bad that i love him kind of like gritty <laughs> yeah um, for some reason they threw him as alaska's favorite mascot i don't know why they would even come close to liking you know people in colorado have a hard time even following the rapids why would anybody I, in alaska i didn't know who that was and i don't suspect many in alaska do look him up he's got a he's a, he's a great character he's a little bit scary you know when i was younger and i saw him at maybe age eight or so i was terrified of him he's a muscular guy with a water head wearing a Rapids jersey says H2O man <laughs> star number two has to go to Gabe Landeskog again it was just great to talk to him today great to hear some of the things he said and just great to hear how he says them I mean uh, I know I said it earlier but just seeing the way he handles himself and especially in trying times like this <coughs> with multiple issues at hand he still just knows exactly what to say but he's not just saying them just to say them he truly means this stuff so Man, you, you just got to love the guy. Star number two for Gabe Landeskog. I mean, like I said, how lucky are we to have somebody like that in the locker room who, after every game, win or lose, will sit in his stall and wait for the media, talk to the media, give you that opportunity. Uh, something else that I picked up from his uh, Zoom call, his webinar today, was how every time somebody asked a question, whether it was Ryan Clark or Mark Kisler, whoever it was, it was always... Good to hear your voice again, Ryan. Good to good to talk to you again, Mark. And it was just sort of this feeling of this this sense of pride that he has with being the Avalanche layer uh, leader, with being the guy that speaks to the media and and respecting us journalists and our job and what we do. And and we're so lucky to have a guy like that. And we're so lucky that he gave us twenty five minutes of his time today. And there's about 17 different things that I could write about because he was just so well-spoken. He wasn't robotic and he sort of, he gave us that content that we've been aching for without it just being your typical NHL presser where, you know, get pucks in deep and do this and do that. And just those same robotic answers every time. Yeah. You could tell he's profound with what he says because after the question is asked, he pauses, he takes, he gives it, he takes a second. Yeah. I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Exactly. So you know, it's it's truly genuine stuff coming out of him. And hockey, and star number one, of course, again, remember this name <coughs> is going to Hockey Diversity Alliance. Love what they're doing. Um, and look, this is probably our longest show we've had in a while. You give us twenty minutes with Gabe Landeskog, and we're going to fill an hour of podcast time. Yeah. Maybe some of it was terrible. Maybe some of it was great. But hey, look at us filling an hour of podcast time during coronavirus with no hockey going on. Yeah, and uh, the the, the you're getting tired <laughs> a little bit, but this this alliance helps with that. Is is uh, because of how big of a name they are and the players that are involved in this and and the way that they're branching out. Uh, one of the very first things that people had not an issue with, but a question was, will female athletes be a part of this? And that was answered right away by Evander Kane, by Akimalu, by the leaders at the top of this group that said yes we are going to announce that in 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 future dates that's something that's already on our radar and they just seem like the, it's, it's a no-nonsense uh group that they've put together and and they're pushing to make actual change rather than just be a marketing ploy or just a name that you can connect with the league yeah absolutely so that being said we're gonna get out of here with kind of those uh profound words from gabe landeskog that we heard today on the uh on the issue and uh other than that you know, that's a show for us. Hockey is for everyone. Make sure to download DraftKings. You'll love it as much as I do. And we out you for Arif. I'm JJ. See you next week. Or maybe even this week. Should we do another one this week? Do one Sunday. I'm down. All right. All right. Out you.
you know, I might think that I don't see a whole lot of racism or I might think that I don't see uh, people being judgmental, but it doesn't mean that uh, it's not happening. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's, it's important for us to listen, to not uh, shut our eyes and ears to, to people that are speaking out about their experiences and uh, have an open heart. You know, I think it's about time that racism start, stops. And, and I know it's, I'm sure it's a long road there, and and uh, but I'm glad that this this conversation is being had, and um, you know I think it's important. So yeah, it's a tough topic to to speak about whether you're you're black or white, uh, but I do think that that everybody uh, needs to make sure that that they have an open heart on this matter and and listens, and and I don't think some people say that just saying that you're going to listen is is just kind of a a follower type of move or whatever, but in my opinion, it's it's step one to understanding and, and understanding love is going to be very important moving forward. And um, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your skin color is. It's we're all people and uh, we all should be treated the same.